Welcome to Ben Navarra's podcast with your host, Ben Navarra's. Sweet. We're trying a new setup. We're, we're using the, the, the whole lighting and all, and all the jams. So it's a, it's a learning process as we, as we continue to add more stuff to it. <laughs> well, I totally get you. I, I was like kind of scrambling on where I should be, you know, doing this. I was contemplating whether doing it at like one of the off, one of the um, conference offices at our gym, but I went ahead and did it here at home. I'm right in, the, I'm right in front of my uh, wife's vanity. Makeup vanity. <laughs> nice, dude. I love so, that. You know, it's... things are looking good, but you know, we we haven't fully made it. You know. <laughs> hey, man, it's 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 a hell of a long process. I mean, you got you just moved out there, dude. One hundred percent. Yeah. And when did you move? We moved. Shoot, dude. I think mid January. I I really can't put a specific date on it because you know what happened was. Um, we got set back one day because our movers didn't come at the right time. So we were like, fuck, we have to stay uh, one more night here in College Station. And then we got caught in uh, the winter storm over in uh, Fort Worth, that Waco area. So we were like, you know, cooped up in a little rinky-dink hotel for about three days um, and then traveled for about three hours. Uh, it was still kind of tough, so we stayed in a, another little uh, place, a little past Waco. It was like some small, small, uh, I think it was called Electra. The you know, population was a little under a 1,000. It was like a little oil field town. Um, but yeah, man, a lot of, a lot of uh, obstacles, but you know, we're here. You made it. And so we already started recording. Um, what... What exactly are you doing, if you don't mind, for our listeners? What what do you what is your your job out in the the Colorado lands? Yeah, man. So out in the Colorado lands, um, uh, my 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 job title is performance specialist. Uh, just another fancy word for coach, but we kind of focus a little more on the biomechanics of performance. Uh, and there's like three main components that we like to follow as far as movement goes. Uh, that's max velocity or linear speed. Uh, change of direction, and then deceleration. Um, and like the founding of this program, my boss, Jim Hendricks, uh, he, he kind of started this whole thing. And one of the ma- biggest things or missing components that he noticed was that connection between the weight room, um, strength and conditioning specifically, and then movement patterns, right? So the stuff, the cuts of the angles and you know how to how to take off and accelerate properly. It, it was just never preached. Uh, uh, he he said that like he would notice these coaches just really emphasizing on buzzwords, but not really breaking down the biomechanics. So I think that's that's one of the main reasons why he founded uh, Elite Speed. So how much time do you guys have in the gym versus out on the field doing like these starting drills and and deceleration drills and stuff? Right. So we kind of split things up, um, about 30 minutes of movement, and then we go into the weight room. But we, I mean, we only have an hour with these athletes, so we try to be really, really um, efficient. Why do you only have an hour? 
because it's a it's still a service uh these athletes are paying for hour sessions unless it's like you know uh nfl pro athlete trying to make it onto the combine i, I think we had two two athletes uh from air force uh doing like their pro day and they're here for about you know two or three hours but for the most part it's a lot of high school athletes you know trying to get their stuff in along with their hectic schedules uh so yeah we we, we mainly only have an hour uh per session and it's kind of broken down with our you know elite speed warm-up uh and then we go straight into some movement training whether that's uh you know acceleration or uh, deceleration or change of direction really uh and then we kind of go into the weight room and build off of that depending on what uh, phase we're in um and yeah so we kind of try to be really efficient with our programming so that's where you see like a lot of our uh, French contrast method training going into play um, or, you know, for those people looking for, you know, to gain mass, uh, muscle mass, we kind of jump into German volume training, uh, which is that 10 by 10. And that kind of takes the whole hour itself. So it, it really depends on the athlete and what their, what their goals are. I hate, I mean, I remember doing 10 by 10s back in a, a while ago now. That is a terrible amount of all yeah it's, um, it's very what, what, excruciating we just uh we just did a you know a, a little powerpoint presentation like every two every mondays or tuesdays we uh we have like this uh seminar where all the employees get together and one or two people present something based off like you know the the fitness industry uh i believe um one of our coaches taylor hepner who's a phd um uh, and uh kind of a pt she's kind of a hybrid she does both performance training and physical therapy or massage therapy uh she did a really good one and it was uh it was all around uh you know finding credible resources for your research and that kind of helped me you know better better dichotomize like what is uh a good resource and what is it so what's the answer? How how do we find good resources, Ooh, that's Caleb? Tough. Well, one of the one of the kickers, you know, is this exercise science industry is a very very young science, you know, compared to biology or physics. You know, we're we're still very very young. So there's a lot of uh, you know, salt. You know, there's a lot of taking things with a grain of salt and you know, finding things out for yourself, which kind of sucks. There's no you know actual way to you know see if this theory or that theory is a, is like actually tried and true since there's so much uh minutia in this industry it seems like the the unfortunate answer is that we still kind of don't know yet because it is still so young and so everybody is out here with their own methods and a lot of different methods work for different people because there are so many different stimuli acting on that that human or that project their sleep they're eating they're like they're, there's so much that once you get you finally look at training it's like okay well what is what is really making the the benefits of the or the uh, um or the cons in this person's training uh, it's a the more that i talk to people in this industry it's like there's a lot of ambiguity around how do you find good people it's like well we kind of don't know yet and but it's there's there's not like a i feel like people are aren't 
aren't super apt to say that because because we are I think it, it maybe sometimes can lose confidence in in a client or in a in a group of individuals, but I think it's you know, like we, we don't know, but we think we know these things, right? Um, you went and did the, the WEC method, and I had fun doing that. And I think that there, I, I understood like, okay, there there's some transference here. There, you're, you're able to teach some unilateral movements, uh, or you're able to teach a bilateral movement unilaterally. Um, and in a different plane, which I thought was kind of cool, right? It's, it's not directly linear, um, which I guess weightlifting isn't directly linear, right? But it is, it was a really cool method and very different from your traditional uh, training methods. How did you find the WEC method? Right. So WEC method, I found coincidentally uh, through my old, my old mentor, or he's still my mentor. I don't want to say old, you know, I really haven't burnt any bridges, or I, at least I've tried not to. Uh, but, you know, he, I was referred to Weck, David Weck, um, through Eddie Enriquez. He was one of the people there at that seminar. Uh, he, he had been running Camp Elite for almost, you know, 20 years. He'd been in the industry for 30. So he was like, hey, come check this stuff out. Uh, sent me, you know, an Instagram post. You know, today's marketing is so, so different, you know. Um, so I guess it was kind of word of mouth. Uh, I actually found out about WEC a little bit after I found about Alex Canellis and his program, uh, in the Landmine University. Uh, so it's kind of a, it's kind of a, the Landmine is a kind of a derivative of WEC methods, you know, methodology, uh, using the spine for a lot of movement and building power through the spine. Um. But yeah, Eddie Eddie Enriquez kind of put me on that. Um, I, w- I went ahead and got certified myself. And, you know, that was back in 2020, in January 2021. And then Damn. a whole nother year goes by and I'm, I'm, I'm back for some more knowledge. Got the level two certification from uh, Landmine U. And then they were, they were uh, doing like this duo uh certification where landmine u level two was on these two days and then uh the WEC method was like two days after so they kind of did like a a joint certification which was pretty cool it was a good opportunity that is super slick so are you using your like what is your two questions sorry so you said something about the french conversion their um training method uh contrast Contrast there, contrast training. What is French contrast training? Right. So French contrast, um, it's it's one of the newer methodologies. Um, it's basically an applied like form of training um, with direct, like coming from post activation potentiation. So there's a lot of potentiation building up a lot of like potential energy, and it's kind of like a superset or a or a cluster set. Um, you're trying to increase like your muscle muscular performance after a specific muscle contraction. Um, so, for example, you know, where where what 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 would you want to work on today? Lower body or upper body? So, um, I'm gonna go ahead and say lower body because I feel like I have an upper body example in my head. So, uh, I, I, a lower body, right? 
Okay, lower body, let's go a little more specific. Would we want to be unilaterally training today or bilaterally training? We know we need more unilateral training in my life, so let's go unilateral. 100%. So off the, off the board, like unilateral training, the first thing on my list is um, sprinting, right? A unilateral movement, everybody needs to learn how to sprint. Everybody, Every athlete should be sprinting, even if they're, you know, never using their legs, you know. Uh, it just really builds up that, you know, threshold to, you know, push things past that next level. So let's kind of reverse engineer, right? Sprinting will be the last exercise that we do. We have two other exercises that we need to potentiate to make that sprint, you know, feel way, way, way faster than what our, you know, body actually moves like. So let's go ahead and throw in an isometric, a weighted isometric. So let's go ahead and say um, a Bulgarian split squat with a three second hold at the bottom, right? You got some weights in your hands, prop a leg behind you, and now we're kind of in this lunge position, very, very similar to what, you know, that sprint looks like, right? But we're just focusing on one leg at a time. So we do those isometrics. We do no more than six reps per leg because we're doing a lot of a lot of volume right now. Um, so those Bulgarian split squats with that second with those three second holds at the bottom to build a lot of potential energy. We're going to go straight into, you know, a jumping series because that's basically what sprinting is. You're just jumping from one leg to the other, but really, really fast and repetitive. Um, so let's go ahead and go into shoot a single leg broad jump right, to build a lot of power. So you do those Bulgarian split squats, legs are feeling, you know, really, really strong. And then we kind of phase into uh, a power movement uh, in those single leg broad jumps. And then we go into that sprint. So for lack of a better term, it'll feel like your legs right after, right after those first two exercises going into that sprint, you'll feel, your legs will feel like they're, you know, brand new fresh legs like a you're, you'll be running like a hot knife going through butter you know that's that's something i tell a lot of my athletes right it'll, it'll just feel way more efficient because we've activated so many muscles leading up to that sprint uh but yeah that's kind of the the basis of french contrast training okay um and so what is what are the time um what are the rest times between these three movements, right? Or between the two movements? Um, are they long? Are they short? You know, that is, see, that's a subjective, that's very subjective. It really depends on like the athlete and their, you know, if they're in um, an in-season, off-season training, pre-season. Uh, for those who are in in-season, you would want the volume to be, relatively high since they are in season and they should be able to perform multiple bouts at a time since they're you know going into games going into games or tournaments or you know even playoffs uh you really don't want to taper back um as far as you know intensity goes because they're still there's this is when they're they have to be in their prime um as far as resting in between sets, uh, I know this is kind of a cop out question, cop out answer, but you know you should be resting enough to perform that next uh, exercise uh, at your highest uh, performance. That makes sense. I don't think that's a cop out answer. I think that's a. I think I think it goes back to what we fit when we first said. It's like we're still learning as an industry, right? right? Like 
it, it is a lot of it is so subjective because an individual's past training does influence their 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 current protocol, right? Like if if they have a if they have a higher workload, then they they can have shorter rest times. They, they should be more prepared for that larger output, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that I don't think it's a cop out answer. I think it's it's a legitimate answer. It's 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 a real answer that I think we see a lot in exercise physiology. That I think to an outsider is like, well, that's not an answer. It's like, well, it's it is and it's not like it it. In the, my last podcast, one that just posted today, actually, um, uh, or actually, this is probably like four weeks out, so like several weeks ago, um, I talked to Jason Tremblay, who is the coach for Taylor Atwood, and Taylor Atwood's the number one powerlifter of all time, regardless of a, a weight class, age, whatever. And we were talking about, um, oh man, I lost my train of thought. We were talking about. Being able to say the, I think it was actually uh, Mike Tashir's podcast. It was talking about yes, there are dependents, and the answer, well, it depends, seems to be a normal answer. But if you know your client, if you are working with somebody, then the answer, it depends, is no longer a sufficient answer. That's no longer fair for the client. It's it's the fact that the coach isn't paying attention. Um, I think that you pay attention. So I think that your answer definitely isn't a a cop out answer. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um are you are you using a lot of the stuff more from your education in school from university or using more of the stuff that you learned on your own? That's a good question. Uh a lot of the <clears throat> a lot of the ways I interact with my clients on a personal level does come from uh my education you know because i i minored in you know general business so there was a lot of business communication there you know just learning how to persuade and appeal to your customer uh goes into play a lot no matter what service industry you're in um a lot, a lot, a lot of the you know performance and strength and conditioning training, if you will, uh, has been come has has come from my real life application of you know working. Um, again, I I tried my best, like when I was in when I was in school, to scaffold what I was learning with my profession because I started coaching. I started coaching as a uh, personal trainer. Back in 2018, and I think that was before, before I even, you know, committed to a degree in kinesiology. I was like, up and uh, around and about, you know. I started off uh, in biomedical. No way, man. Yeah, yeah. Wild. Continue. Sorry, I just blew my mind a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, all of this happened just like I was like, "Hmm, maybe, maybe I can do this, you know. Uh, But you know, I started, I started off uh, biomedical science. Um, that was a little too much science for me. Uh, so I went ahead and switched over to animal science. I wanted to become a veterinarian after that. Still too much science. Uh, I took it upon myself to get, uh, that my personal training, you know, certification from ACE. And then from there, you know, I, I jumped into Gold's Gym because that was the, that was the gym that I was like working out at as a customer myself. Um, but yeah, man. 
a lot of the mentors were like you, Tyler West, uh, you know, uh, Grant kind of like pushed me in this direction of, you know, pursuing pedagogy and, you know, the fitness industry. Man, Grant, Grant, Grant came on several weeks ago and it, it was a great podcast. Like, oh, yeah. What a good dude, man. It's been a while since I talked to him. What a good guy. Yeah, man. I kind of I kind of lucked out with the people that I had there at Gold's Gym. Um some of them some of them were kind of like iffy, you know, but you know, people people like Renee and James, you know, they really they really helped me build an understanding of this industry, you know. Um but yeah. I forgot about Renee and Anna and James. I forgot about both of them. I, I didn't really spend much time with them. I only had a couple of clients. Um, I think I only had like one or two, really, to be honest. And so I really didn't spend a lot of time. But it was it was a good group of people to be around with if you were open to learning, for sure. One hundred percent. And I kind of I kind of like reminisce back on those days. You know, I wish I could have shadowed a little bit more. Um, Mind you, you know, the, the the greats that we had there, like Nick, Grant, Billy, Tyler, a lot of them had been there for a while, so their clients really didn't want people shadowing. You know, I remember, you know, Nick telling me that. I was like, damn, like, you know, that's a missed opportunity. You know, I could I could have learned something really well from there. But luckily, you know, behind that PT desk when we're just like waiting for our next clients was where I, you know, gathered a lot of, you know, coincidental, you know, information from those guys, you know. Uh, I think one of the biggest things that stuck with me came from Nick. Um, he was saying, like, the, the idea of a perfect workout is like a moving target, you know, because, like, you don't know what your client is feeling that day. You don't know. You don't know if they just want to work out and just, like, let everything go or they, they just want to talk, you know. Um, so really, really honing in on what your client wants from that day to day basis uh, really, really helps you retain retain that client and, you know, build a good, uh, relationship. It's less about you and more about them in that space, which I think is, is hard for a, it can, it can be, I think it can be difficult for somebody who's coming out, who wants a performance-based program, right? Like, like, like I love you, but today we got to work. Like it's it's a it's a really fine line of wanting to keep clients and wanting to put your own goals on somebody else because you can see a potential, and a lot of times it doesn't matter what you see. Which how do you how do you deal with that? Like how how did you deal with that? How did how did you um, maybe not let your desire or goals to push somebody? to their their greatest potential and just meet them where they're at like how do you balance those things i think one of the one of the biggest tools that you could have is finding out what that person's why is you know um do they want to lose x amount of pounds for this upcoming summer do they want to make a varsity spot uh are they looking to you know crush you know, their competition on the, on this floor space or that, you know, competitive, you know, scene, uh, finding out what their main reason is or why they started things would really, and remembering why they started will, you know, help you go a long way as far as persuading them to, you know, get back on track. 
you know, I think that the 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 phrase the customer's always right is one that transferred into personal training and not one that I agree with. I think that sure, like you can't like if you want to keep business, you can't push too hard, right? But I think you you're kind of in a cool position and one that I've always been very that I've always admired. You have people who are there for performance. You have their your people there are there to work and to grow and to learn and to and to do big things in their life and not settle for I just want to lose a couple pounds. It's like no 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 we're 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 going out to win. Have have you seen a, a difference in mentality or, or the way that you can you can coach these different athletes? Yeah, um, as far as like performance training versus, you know, general population, you know, I I found it really I found it really easy to not easy, but there's just a better medium of, you know, explaining to them why this is important, because you could just, you know, relate it to their sport or, you know, their competitive domain. And I think I first noticed that when I was with Kappa uh, Lee, you know, Eddie and all. Um, we were just training young athletes. We, we didn't have a general population uh, program at all. It was just for those athletes who wanted to get, you know, faster, uh, stronger, and more, uh, and have better agility. Um, I'm kind of seeing that over here too at, at elite speed. Um, but mind you, you know, at this time, you know, the athletes, those those high school, middle school athletes, they could only come early in the morning or after school, you know. In the middle is when you have to appeal to those, those general population athletes who have, you know, a two-hour lunch break and get get in get in for a quick lift. Um, so you know, really, really dichotomizing the person you're with and why they're here uh, will really go a long way. What was your why moving to Colorado? Hmm. There were. There were some internal and external factors. Uh, I felt I felt like I had kind of tapped out all the resources that I had in College Station, um, and that's not to say that you know nobody there doesn't know anything. It's just College Station. It's not it's not Houston or Austin where there's just like this big metroplex of you know so much so many uh, different you know. Uh, coaches you know where we were kind of limited to college station for performance training uh over here in colorado or denver specifically you know there's there's someone on every corner as far as you know uh training goes because it's just the the population over here they're just so active you know they got alpine sports they got biking they got walking and then uh one of the things that surprised me was lacrosse being a big really big presence over here so lacrosse athletes. have you worked with lacrosse athletes oh yeah man it's, it's it's crazy they're they're crazy athletic dude there's a there's a position. i mean sorry go ahead go for it uh there's a position called the x uh they're it's kind of like their shortstop libero uh, mainly, mainly their main athlete, and they're right, they're plopped right behind their off, uh, the other team's goal, and they're just, you know, running back and forth, trying to juke out their mark and receive a ball and quickly toss it into the net. And it's, it's crazy how they change directions so efficiently. 
what kind of tools or resources do you feel that you have access to or just in not not what you feel necessarily but what what kind of tools do you have access to now that you didn't have here oh man um i would say the team that i have you know so many people with phds and masters um, not only that um the facility i'm in uh, it's it's not only a performance gym it's like a health clinic so there's physical therapists there there's other doctors who are you know performing surgery on athletes and you know the so there's just like a really really good uh well-rounded community community or ecosystem of you know uh exercise scientists uh i think i think i've kind of had my guard up too uh coming from these different places back in texas where everybody's you know has their cards to their chest or they're trying to you know coach clients from different you know teams and stuff like that but over here you know there's really not um there's no famine mentality at all you know everybody's sharing information and everybody's sharing clients because everybody i mean everybody has a blind spot you know uh over here everybody's covering each other's blind spots you know iron is sharpening iron over here and you know it's just a really really good you know community uh to be part of i'm glad that you've you've found that community because you didn't find it here but i want to give this place some credit i think that this place definitely offers the ability to 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 grow if you have the desire to reach out and find the right connections. And sometimes you don't, you don't know who those people are. And sometimes it's a lot of luck, right? I think that there are people around the country that could hear this and be like, man, I got to go to Colorado, but then maybe be disenchanted by the fact that it may be not in their, um, not the right time for them. It could be financial. It could be for whatever reason. It just doesn't make sense for them to move. I think looking around your community and reaching out to people that are around is is valuable because there's people out there, even around you and your small town here, I think, that are willing to help. And And I think that I think it sucks that you had the the experience of people trying to like steal clients and like keeping their cards held close to their chest. Um, that's that's never a fun or comfortable time. It's kind of, it's it's very limiting for your growth and ultimately for theirs. And they don't know that it's for theirs. Like uh, it, but sharing that information really is is beneficial. It's just sometimes asking the right question or being them being in the right place or them being the right, just the right person. Um, so I think, I think asking maybe sometimes asking that second question of, well, why didn't you like, what, why, why don't you want to tell me? And maybe you could put yourself in an uncomfortable position and they're like, Oh shit. I didn't realize I wasn't telling you. I just, I didn't realize that that's what you wanted. Maybe, maybe I was bad at asking questions. You know, I think that, um, I think, so often we can say, well, it's the outside, it's it, people outside of us. And it's like, well, maybe I'm bad at this. Maybe I'm, you know, like maybe I, maybe this is my blind spot, you know? And I, it's not the fact that, that they're not willing to offer me information. It's just the fact that I don't know how to ask the right questions or who to ask the right questions to, or, you know, like, I think it's, it's awesome that you found an opportunity, but I do want to give this place some credit because I, 
I do think that there's a lot of opportunity in this town. You just got to find it a little bit. Yeah, man. Uh, I think I agree a hundred percent. Um, I'm not, I'm by any means, I wasn't trying to dog like anybody who I've worked with in the past, but I just think the market is still, is still untapped. You know, um, I think that's why that was like one of the main reasons why I did that seminar before I left college station was to, you know, build this network of, you know, like-minded individuals and set the precedent of sharing information and, you know, showing, showing what cards I have, you know, and, and, you know, and through that, you know, other people will start thinking about this methodology and they'll kind of, you know, uh, filter out what positive, filter out what negatively transfers and then highlight what positively transfers in their sport. And I think that's one of the most important things, you know, being uh, not only open-minded, but sharing feedback. You know, I, I don't want to hear, you know, hey, Caleb, that seminar was awesome. You should be doing this forever. Uh, I, I'd, I'd rather hear, hey, that was awesome, but I don't think this specific uh, detail would fit into this specific sport. However, it will fit into this sport. Uh, just be careful because, you know, in this sport, you have to focus on X, Y, Z. And in that sport, you have to focus on, you know, one, two, three, you know. Um, I think the feedback is one of the biggest things that's missing right now in this in this in this whole entire industry. Uh, you have so many people just you have so many echo chambers, you know, just applauding certain people uh, for the work that they're doing, whether it's right or wrong. And then you have certain echo chambers that are, you know, dampening certain individuals um, who kind of who are who are kind of, you know, free thinkers or, you know, they're going against the grain. I think that. You are 100% correct. There is a lot of, there is constantly a lot of people either gathering around specific mentalities, but I think that sometimes like it's, it's scary to speak out, right? It's scary to like talk about your like, well, I think that of this, you know, right? I, I think that you're, I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is the time for this, but I think you're, you're, you're presentation or your your seminar was slick. I think that it would be beautifully done for coaches who are coaching 7th and 8th graders, 6th graders, right? Getting kids started early and learning a complicated movement very early on in a pretty safe environment like it's on a landmine. They have to really, really fuck up for something like, like, come on, guys. Like, I, like, I guess boys are boys, kids are kids. I get it. But damn, you got to mess up, you know, but it gives, it gives the coach control of the environment and it it keeps the kids safe. And I think that we're, if we're trying to train power and long-term and you're, if you want to teach that movement, cause it, cause it creates a lot of power and, and, and ultimately a, a, a greater carryover from those movements into most sports then teaching them the unilateral movement is I think awesome. Um, and then you can progress them into learning it bilaterally, right? Um, it gives them a foundation, a really, really cool foundation that's applicable in multiple different ways. Um, I think that as time went on, you got more comfortable in that, in that space. Like, Starting off, you're like in the classroom, like this isn't my spot, this isn't my place. Ooh. And then once we got onto that floor, dude, you murdered it. Like, 
you you can see that that liveliness come out but i think that's a lot of coaches that like you cuz a lot of coaches were athletes and they don't like to be in that classroom setting which is why they like the gym like that's you know like you said that earlier that there was a lot of science in uh in in bims and in animal science there's a lot of science in exercise physiology like you're looking at biomechanics you're looking at physics you're looking at anatomy physiology like you're looking at these pretty intense systems and then trying to apply those things to somebody and communicate those things to, in an individual that is like huh like like they, you know like you can't keep their attention yeah. like it's it's an insane like combination. I think it's one of the most complicated professions and undervalued. It's like you you have this extreme knowledge and then this ability to communicate and then apply and then see a, a bigger picture and then be so reliant on an individual that there's pain to be there and they could like, like it or not. You know, they could like you and like love to listen to you. And then you say the same thing that the next guy is saying and they get it from you and not from him or vice versa. Like it's, it's hard, man. Like, like I don't think you should cut yourself short in that space. Like it, you chose a difficult route and you're doing some big things. I think it's fucking badass. Um, you're doing things that people would dream to do. Like, like when it's kind of insane. Like, do, do you, do you like, do you grasp that? Like, do you realize like how insane it is for you to be up there training these athletes? You know, like I, I do see the opportunity, um, that, that has been presented to me, you know, and all the opportunities, you know, and I'm very, very, very thankful, but you know, yeah, man, like, it's just, it's just still astonishing that, you know, an elite, an elite, a really, really professional elite speed company is putting their trust in, into someone like me who's only had, you know, five years in the industry and, you know, who just moved here. Um, you know, it, it's, it's really, it's very humbling, you know, uh, all of these great, great minds and intellectuals, you know, willing to, you know, hear what I have to say, despite me being like one younger than them in both you know, my age and expertise, you know, so just having that really, really good community still, you know, just, it's mind blowing, man. Um, it's, it's night and day to compared to what I, who I've been with. Uh, but yeah, man, it's, it's really, it's really mind blowing. Um, as far as, you know, being in that classroom and teaching, yeah, I definitely have to work on that. Um, I feel like my personal skills, uh, in the weight room, uh interpersonally and intrapersonally are really well but as far as like explaining something in the classroom man that's definitely where i have my struggles um but you know i'm working on that you know i, I really i really do have to put myself out there a lot more um and get those get those reps 100 percent. hell yeah man so um what does it look like? How do you write training programs for these individuals? Do you, if you like how, two questions? How many clients do you have? As a preface question, how many clients are, do you, do you have? Currently, where I'm at, or do you see? Um, I want to say I have about four or five. You know, um, however, I I opportunities. You know, they they give me the opportunities to you know uh, go out to other uh, club teams. We get contracted. And we kind of do the period, the strength and conditioning uh, programs for like volleyball clubs or, you know, baseball clubs. Um, and that's where we kind of, you know, get to 
not show off who we are, but, you know, show, show the athletes what services we can provide for them. And uh, it's just another great opportunity to, you know, pull in more clientele. Like uh, this past weekend, I was able to work with uh, the Colorado Rapids men's team. It was their, you know, their, not their main professional team, but like their, their team right underneath. And we're kind of stepping in uh, interim interim wise because their main strength and conditioning coach got pulled up to the national league so we're kind of filling in this march you know kind of following their program uh, maybe adding in you know a, a couple you know glute activation you know things for them because they have a lot of like hamstring injuries or you know correcting little by little how they decelerate and then accelerate uh, but yeah man like just opportunity after opportunity uh, I think I'm working with four, maybe three or four different teams this month on a week-to-week basis. I think like Tuesdays, uh, I'm traveling out. We're, they're having me travel out to a baseball baseball team. Uh, Thursdays, I'm going to a volleyball club. And then uh, I think three or four days out of the week, I'm with that uh, professional soccer team. So, you know, just not just being honed in on one specific location we're kind of spreading out and you know conquering a lot of land uh which is really really awesome um but yeah man it's it's really crazy over there that's that's it's pretty amazing so my my the reason i had that preface was um how how do you write programming Per individual, if if you if you're taking Nick's perception of you know it's uh, it's always a moving target. How do you write a program for either a group or individuals? Yeah, that uh, moving target, man. It's it's very it's it's a real thing to consider. Um, the moment once once like every once the coach realizes that they'll be they'll be a little bit more understanding of what you know a client is going through uh like physically uh you you really don't know what happened that day before so you really have to you know be able to think on the fly with certain things uh however you still have to you know check some boxes did that athlete get this type of training in did they you know get to this you know rate of perceived exertion you know um so it it definitely is you know really pretty difficult to you know match that specific specific workout with how they're feeling that day um as far as you know a formula to you know understand as far as like formulating how one would you know program a year out and consider those you know daily you know things that might not that might not you know that 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 will that will impede someone from completing that workout is really really hard, man. Um, but just finding different ways to go about it would is really is really the way to do it, you know. And I, I really can't think of a specific way, um, but uh, I think a good start would be just you know build an open channel of communication between you and your client, you know, because I mean. I don't see myself as an old guy or, or, you know, an intimidating person, but the moment I'm next to, you know, a, an eighth, eighth grader, you know, they see the beard, they see, they hear the deep voice and they're like, oh shit, man. Like, I can't give any excuses at all. Like, that's, that's wrong, man. Like, 
open up to me, you know, be, be a person, you know, I'm an, I'm just another human trying to, you know, help, help this human here, you know, get what they need without, you know, destroying their self-confidence, destroying their, you know, progress that they've, they've achieved thus far, you know, um, so really, really, you know, being, having that really, really healthy relationship and open communication is, I think, one of the best things for programming. So are you pretty open when you first meet a client? Like, hey, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate. Or like, I think with, with younger kiddos, it's even like, it's it's a different conversation than, than maybe like between another athlete, like another, uh, maybe like an, an adult athlete. What is your conversation that you have with your your clients or your group of clients to start that, to build that rapport? Is Is there like a, is there something that you tend to say or is it just kind of like natural and see how things go? Well, the first thing that I ask, and this is kind of a, this is pretty funny. I've gotten some like weird looks cause I've gotten a lot of like young athletes off guard and you know, it's like, it's a, it's a very, it's a silly question, but it really, really brings their guard down. That way they could open up to me and, you know, start, you know, actually getting down to the nitty gritty. And uh, the question I ask almost every athlete is, um, or I, I pull them off to the side, is like, "Hey, I got a serious question for you." And they get they get interested. They're like, "What?" And I ask them, "Mo Bamba or Sicko Mode?" Two different two songs, right? That that, that used to be one of the yeah. memes like a year and a half ago, and I just think it's a funny question to ask. You know, uh, it gets them like it, it's a good icebreaker. Um, and from there, you kind of you kind of get to ask like a little bit more complex questions, but you know it's desensitized because they 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 thought like the first question I was going to ask them was going to be something super serious. So in their head, I I believe that they're like, oh okay, you know this guy's just trying to ha- this guy's trying to have fun. He's going to help me, you know, and we're 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 going to do this together. Um, so that's that's like my go-to first question. Uh, depending on the athlete, my second, you know. Uh, my second, you know, bullet point would be, you know, question everything, you know, and that, that can kind of be a slippery slope. Cause if you have this, you know, seven year old, you know, just asking why every, every time I tell them to do something that could kind of get annoying too, you know, but you know, if I have someone who really wants to learn something, I want them to ask me, you know, how does this help me? Or, you know, what movement pattern does this help me with? Um, what what periodization should this be following falling under? Uh, but yeah, man, not not just following a workout. Uh, I, I never I, I never want an athlete to just do what they're told. I want them to intuitively ask themselves questions, and then if they can't answer that question themselves, I want them to ask me. I think for those kids that are asking way too many questions, what I what I did with my kiddos was all right. You get three questions left for the day. And they're like, wait, what? And I'm like, two. I'm like, oh, oh no, oh. Like <laughs> and they take it, they take it to heart, man. And then that'll that'll fix it quick. And and like if it's a legit question, all right, like I won't count that one against you, but I like I'm remembering. And then it like okay, like he's serious, right? And as long as you like stay committed to your word, I think like kiddos are will recognize. Oh, this guy ain't messing around. Uh, 
but I had a question for you. Uh, Mo Bamba or Sickle Mode? I'll say Sickle Mode. Why? I really haven't gotten that far, man. Um, my, my, my response to either to either of those answers that the kids give me are just tough, you know. Like that's that's what's up, you know. You pass the vibe check. I'm not I'm not looking for a specific answer. Um, sicko mode. I don't know, man. I just like to beat a little bit more, you know. But I, but I like how you asked me that because you're you're delving into something serious and meticulous, and then follow up question: Mo Bamba is sicko mode. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're just we're just some homies hanging out you know i think i think it's 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 all it's all the same i think that it like even i think in personal training you're you're around sometimes some very serious um conversations where people are like it's a very personal thing right like we're we're really talking about somebody's like some insecurities like man i really i want to play with my kids or i can't move very well like you got to be not necessarily the opposite of, of that, but you have to be able to take that in and then counter it with like, I'm not judging you. Like, it's okay. And I think that form of communication, I think just, it makes everything lighter, easier, more casual. And then you can get back to, you. if you need to get back to that place, they know you can get there. And they also know that you can get to the opposite end and just... Man, dude, my fucking dog this weekend was like ate up my blanket and man, like, and it's, it's personal. It's fun. Cause ultimately that's what it's supposed to be. Like if they're not having fun and you're not having fun, then man, dude, like, you know, it's like, it's like a long term. It's a humanity check. If anything, you know, you're just, you're just taking a pulse, seeing how the, how the relationship is right now. You know, you tell them a joke, they don't laugh at it. You know, you have to think like, okay, what what can I do to you know get this person to open up? And it, um, like that humanity check, it comes in different different types of you know. It it comes in different ways. You know, you you could be comic relief. Uh, you could express something that's like you know deep in your heart. You know, you can get something off your chest with them. Like one example, a couple Thursdays ago, I was with my volleyball girls, and. Um, you know, I got I got some news back from back home saying that my grandma fell. She broke her tailbone. She's in the hospital. And, you know, I was down bad, man. So, you know, I kind of opened up the floor for some of the girls, to, you know, get some things off their chest. And some of them did. You know, some of them said they failed a test. Um, some of them that said they had a test coming up and they're super stressed out. And then. One group, they, they didn't want to share anything, so I kind of asked them, can I share something with y'all? You know, and they all lit up. They're like, yeah, yeah, I thought, I thought you just wanted to hear something from us. Like, but here you are, you know, giving something um, on, a, on a human level. Um, and I kind of shared with them. I started crying, you know. And two days later, like, a coach approached me. He's like, is everything okay, you know? two of our girls like walked out of the weight room and they were crying. I was like, Oh shit, man. Like these girls really, really like, you know, there's a real connection here. Um, so that, that humanity check doesn't always have to be, you know, comic relief. It could be, you know, 
you know, something like down down to earth and something like legit, you know. Uh, granted, you do have to be careful with, you know, these athletes and you do have to know your audience. Like, I'm not going to tell them everything that's going on, you know, because yeah. I mean, that's something that I have to, you know, save for my wife and, you know, my family. Um, and I shouldn't always be putting a lot of weight on their shoulders. I should, you know, mainly be lifting it off of theirs. But, you know, I think that was a good way to, you know, connect with them and, you know, get them to open up to me. Um, but yeah. I like it, man. I think, I think a lot of times the easier way to go is comedic relief, right? It's, it's a comfortable place to go because being vulnerable can be difficult, especially if you're the coach. Um, but I think that a lot of times it, it's 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 okay. Like you're just a, you're a human too. You, you know, like there there are people. You're people. Like it's okay to mess up, and it's okay to be open about like, oh my bad. Like sorry guys. Actually, no, that that was, I did not mean to do that. Everybody, like, we're, just give me a second. Let's go ahead and talk about this real quick, right? Like taking that break and just being normal i think like i think like you don't got to be this picture perfect person you know i think yep. instagram kind of promotes that unfortunately but that's not the reality of what, of what we're living in 100 percent, yeah um admitting when you're wrong goes a long way man because your credibility is only your capacity to be because capacity for credibility is not in your control it's what the it's what your customers and athletes perceive. So if you're just that asshole who's always like not um, not confessing when they were wrong or, you know, not, you know, understanding an athlete when they're actually meaning this, um, it could it could deter or it could deteriorate your credibility really quickly. And I think that we don't always know when we're wrong or that we did something wrong. So having a community of people that can call you out that are like, Hey, you could have done this a little bit better. Uh, and this is how, right. I think, I think that there's that extra step of, you know, asking why or telling somebody, yeah, Hey, that really wasn't that great. And then leaving it at that or being like recognizing that there was something that maybe wasn't as high value and then adding that value, right? Mm -hmm. Telling somebody, well, this is how you do that thing. And I think, I mean, I think you're right. Or I'm going to take a little while ago. You said it, sometimes it's not, if people want to keep that stuff close to their chest. And I think that people do keep, keep things close to their chest, but I don't think that it's intentional all the time. I think that learning how to communicate is difficult. Like being able to sit down and, and talk to somebody in an effective way that's going to add value to their life and hopefully to yours. Because you, you don't, as the person delivering the added value, you don't want to want to offend somebody or sound maybe not confident in your perception of what you think did not go right and how it could have been better. I think we put a lot of value in how somebody else is going to feel whenever they receive that information. Um, and then also we don't always value what we're saying to others. Like we, we ourselves, like we can recognize that something's wrong, but we aren't able to value our own correction of that 
thing, which I think is is unfair for everybody that has that second thought. Nah, maybe I shouldn't. Why not? Like the worst case scenario is that they don't take your recommendation and then they they don't get better because of themselves. Best case scenario is that you give somebody some value, you build a relationship, and then they're like, okay, like I'll make that change. And not and, and it's it's a ripple effect that every single one of the, his or her clients or people or whatever that they interact with, family members, anything that little piece of that little nugget gets to ripple out and transform all those other people's lives. And so say something, you know, say, 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 say something. And I think it takes time to be able to build confidence to do that thing. It's not going to come in the first, you know, not even when you're 21, 22, 23, like it takes time to be able to communicate and tell somebody to do something when you only have, five years of of experience in living in this weird world we have like outside of you know at being 18 or whatever it may be you know like you don't have that much time existing man i'm going on some rambles today my bad i'm talking no nah, yeah i definitely agree man time time is probably one of the more valuable things on this earth you know you could you could pay for a lot of things with money and money comes and goes but you know that time you know it does not come back you know so what you could have said um sure there will be another opportunity to say that same thing that you didn't say before but i mean internally that value goes down because you know you know for yourself that you should have said it a while back and now you're saying it now like if it's a chore you know it's kind of a forced projection of what you're trying to iterate rather than when you have this really really pure and you know organic opportunity um you kind of wasted it because you're you were focused on how it was going to be received or how uh how people might think of you but you know time is of the essence you know and and if it's right to say it's right to say you know uh intent intention does matter for sure. So if you have the intent of, you know, saying something because it's out of your heart, that weighs way more than saying something with the intention because you think you think that it was the right thing to say at that time. So I'm going to go ahead and just say it right now, like out of context or something like that, you know. I moderately disagree with you and I could change my opinion here, but I think that sometimes that person doesn't know how how to say it sometimes like it's it's no fault of the individual maybe in the moment they 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 didn't have the self confidence to say something cuz they themselves weren't confident in the fact that maybe they were right or maybe they were wrong like they they didn't know and they didn't want to like other people have expertise as well and so some, maybe i might not agree with something that you're doing but it could very well be the right thing at that moment for that client, for that person, for that event. I don't know that. And so sometimes we make a judgment call in the moment where it's, you know what, man, like they know that client better than I do. I, it's going to, I could come into this because I've had it happen to me on the reverse, like where I was working with a client and somebody came up to me and like laughed at me and was like, laughed at my client in the middle of a session and was like, what are you doing, man? Like, we got to fix this like this. And I was like, 
actually, we have some lumbar issues, and that's why we're not doing that. And they're like, oh. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, 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 check yourself a little bit. I appreciate you maybe coming and telling me something, but at the same time, checking yourself internally and being like, man, maybe giving somebody else the trust that they're making the right call in that moment. Or, mm. uh, and, and then maybe afterwards asking, why did you do it that way? Right? Rather than just telling somebody, this is the way you should have done it. It's asking after the fact when it's the right time. Hey, why? Why aren't you doing it this way? Because I would have done it this way. And they're like, oh, well, because, you know, X, Y, Z. And there's a rationale. Or you listen to that rationale and you're like, you know, I, I still see some holes in here. Let me go ahead and tell you what I would have done and why. And then it's your and it's that individual's opportunity to either accept that that change or that input or not, right? And then you kind of know where they stand. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Timing, timing and audience are, are really crucial factors and holding on to what you're about to say for a better time. I definitely agree with that. You know, uh, you're starting to change my, you're starting to change my opinion because, you know, I'm, I'm contemplating now on the things that I've, you know, the times that I've held my tongue and then said the, said what I was going to say at a different time. And yeah, you're right. I did kind of, you know, uh, practice what I was going to say and practice on what words I would emphasize because I mean, communication is an art, man. If you just say everything monotone, the value goes down tremendously, you know, um, if you're really trying to get a point across, you're going to think about what you're going to say and think how you can appeal to certain where certain people and, you know, how they perceive things. So yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, definitely holding your, Holding your words and finding a, the, the perfect way to say it is definitely, you know, one of the many, one of the many reasons why communication is an art. I think that even, you know, working with a client sometimes where you see you're, you're watching them squat. There are times where I will tell somebody a cue. Hey, knees out. Like we, we need to fix that like now. And sometimes it's all right. We're, we have a set of three. And it's a top set. We're looking at a 95%. Or, you know, we're, we're looking at a high percentage here. There's going to be a fault in form. Me telling them, hey, knees out or whatever it may be. Like, we're rounding too much. Chest up. Like, if it's if it's out of a, a critique, sometimes it's just not the place. It's not the time. Like, let them let them do the movement. They know what they, you know, we... we Maybe rep number one, we did great with our if with externally rotating those femurs and, and our knees are out and we're looking stable, we're looking good. But by middle of rep two, we're like, oh, like, all right, like we know that this is a problem and it's starting to come up and it's gonna happen for the third rep. You have a judgment call to make, or if like if we're gonna hit three today, then we're gonna hit three. I think it's there is so much variability. There's so much like it depends um on that specific situation. And th- sometimes it is right. Like if I see one of my kiddos in my group class talking smack to another kiddo, I'm going to say something. Nah, not in my class. Like, no, sir. But there's other times where a kiddo's talking smack to another kid because that kid started it and you can see that happen. You can see that kid finally stepping up for themselves and then it's like, do it. 
Like, step up for yourself. Yeah. And you can see that confidence grow in somebody. You're not going to shut that down. You're going to let them fucking live it up. Do it, you know? With your chest, yeah. Man. Say it with your chest. Um, yeah, man. Social learning is a real is a real fucking thing. You know, you learn you learn through trial and error, and you don't you don't learn by yourself. You know, in this closed room, you learn with other people, and you see you read their facial cues. Like, did they like what I just said? No. Okay, maybe I probably shouldn't be saying that shit because the next time I might be saying it to someone who can really fuck me up uh whether physically or you know professionally or you know they'll they'll just never fuck with me again and i've lost an opportunity i've burnt this bridge um and i i could have made something i could we could have made something really great together but you know i just decided to say this really stupid thing and now that opportunity's gone and i'm gonna have to work way harder to you know rebuild that relationship and rebuild that network um so yeah man definitely uh, holding your tongue is is a very good skill to have, and you know, knowing when to say the right things at the right times are another good skill to have for sure. There's a there's a quote from somebody. It's fools. I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck it up. No, like let me say. It. I think speak. I think I know. I think I know. I think I know. All right, go for it. <laughs> um, it is it is better to stay silent and let them call you a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. That might be what you're trying to get That's to. A, you may be on the same subject, but yeah, man, just keep your mouth shut until it's you on know the same subject. Yeah. Continue. Sorry, my bad. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. I was just finishing. Like, yeah, hold your tongue, man. Like, no, no, have intent with what you're about to say. And know the possible consequences that can come from what you're saying, man. Um, if you if if the intent comes from like a pure place, then you have the upper hand because you can say no, 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 no. That that's not what I meant at all. I actually meant this. And there's there's that level of you know communication that's so hard to learn, right? Yeah. I think as personal trainers, as coaches. There's such an emphasis on communication that is is learned more through the the direct communication with a client rather than in school. They don't talk about you know how to deliver a cue or when to deliver a cue. It's 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 all about the the physiology. It's all about the 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 science, the book, right? And there's like. I think it's a safe place for even coaches to go and like, well, no, like I'm following the book. Like we're, we're doing the right program, but it's like, yeah, but your, your bedside manner, right. is another way to call it. Mm-hmm. Your bedside manner sucks. Like y- you got, you got to work on that. And obviously what you've, your bedside manner has worked. Like, like you've gotten to a huge spot. And so what kind of tools are you implementing to help you practice that, that form of communication, if any at all? You know, it's it's really hard to you know practice some practice something that you've been you know your whole life. You know, my parents, my parents, you know, have been in my life my whole life. You know, my dad has taught me, you know, how to not how to properly communicate, but the actions that you have do have absolute consequences. And I think that's one of the things that I've learned um, from my first competitive. Uh, you know, recreation, which was chess, you know, 
chess taught me a whole lot, you know, as far as, you know, your, your actions having a direct consequence, um, whether that's something you said, something you do, uh, something you plan for or something you don't plan for. Like there will be, there will always be, you know, a cause and effect for what you do or don't do. So as far as, you know, practicing, uh, my bedside manner, um, I just really learn from the things that I've said. Uh, I try to think back on the bridges that I've burned um, and the relationships uh, that, you know, are no longer relationships anymore. And I really, really try to learn from there and see what went wrong and see what could have gone better. I think. Do I think sometimes those relationships are just not meant to be there. Like that other person just didn't vibe with you and, and it's okay to have some relationships maybe uh, fizzle out. I think burning bridges is, is never a good idea, but I think it's also showing that you took a chance doing or saying something, standing up for yourself or, and maybe it was wrong at the time, but it does give you some really cool, valuable information moving forward and how you can build, continue to build better relationships. Um, and I think having a wife helps with that, you know, like and you, you're, you guys are, you, you know, you got to communicate about everything. Like that must be tough. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. My wife, she checks me a lot, man. There, there's some things that I say that are just like pretty outlandish. And she says, Hey, that won't fly in this setting. You know, like, and she's, she's really down to earth, man. She keeps me, she keeps me humble. She keeps me working hard. Um, and yeah, so she, she's been a, 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 a tremendous help as far as you know me developing professionally and then as a human too i want to know what kind of stuff you're saying you got to tell me about after this podcast what kind of stuff yeah, I can't say it, <laughs> yeah so I mean, so everybody's what? entitled to their opinion right um uh, I'm not saying that I have crazy outlandish or extreme opinions. It's just like, I might try to say, I try my, I might try to say something, you know, funny and, you know, she might, she might think it's funny or she might say, Hey, we're, we're out in public. You know, you can't be, you know, talking about this or that, you know? I get you. I get you. Yeah. I mean, you definitely have to have a filter at times. Uh, there's a right place and a wrong place, like we were saying a little while ago. Um, what are what are your what are your plans with this field? Like, what do you where do you want to go? Where do you kind of see yourself being? Oh, dude. Um, I told myself from the beginning, you know, like a big a big staple of my you know coaching philosophy is to you know not settle into any dogmas or lines of thinking. I just want to be a free thinker first. And then from there, hopefully people will see that and how I'm just so open-minded and become like this, you know, griot of coaching, you know, like a nomad, you know, just going to this place and kind of helping them out on, on whatever they need help on. And then once I'm done here, once I left the place, a better place than I found it. I I can I can go over here and help these people out, but you know that's that's way way long term. You know, um, currently you know I'm just trying to 
learn as much as I can, soak up all the information that I can, because I'm still, I'm still a baby in all this stuff, man. There's, there's a lot of veterans out there that I don't even know about who I could be learning from. Um, so right now at this time, it's just to network as best as I can, um, seize every opportunity that I have, because, you know, I ain't shit, bro. I am not shit, you know? Um, so yeah, just, I, I don't think, you, I don't think saying that is, is, is fair to yourself. So I'm, I want to stop you there. Um, I think that saying like, I have more to learn is one thing. I think mm-hmm. saying I, I'm not shit is, is something else because obviously you, you've done something right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I just don't want to get consumed in my own ego, man. That's just a, a very, very scary thing. I've seen it. Um, that's probably one of the men, one of the reasons why I left some of the prior places that I've been at because they thought this program was just the upper echelon of programming. Um, so when I say I ain't shit, I'm, I'm really just kind of trying to check myself and say, like, you still have so much to learn. Um, I'm not, I'm not trying to bring myself down or anything. I just, I just really don't want to become, uh, one of those people that just doesn't want to listen to anybody else or is closed minded. I get that. I get that. I think just the the phrasing for me, I was like, no, no, no. Like, like, like it, I think, I think a little bit of, of where we come from, right? Like, and like you, a lot of people don't make it out of that place. Right. And people, people don't leave out of, out of like security, um, which is fine. I get that, you know, but like you're doing big things. And, and so like, I think it's it's a dream for a lot of people that that maybe could have never had that opportunity because they couldn't have afforded to even leave home or like I had friends that just like you know they they just they, they didn't have it and it, it like sometimes I, I I appreciate the um I appreciate kind of keeping that ego down but at the same time like no one else is going to be hyping you up as much as you like nobody knows your story like you do. And I think I used to be very much like not really talk about the things that I've done, but then no, no one else is, no one else is talking about them. Yeah. No one else knows that. Nobody knows your resume like you do. I think, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm, Maybe I'm wrong. I, I very, very, very well could be. I, I'm, I could be wrong in five years. I, I realized that this it was the wrong way to think. But I think, okay, like I've made it. I'm good. I can continue to learn. Like not settling for this, but understanding that no, I, I've I've done it. I've made it. I'm I'm, I'm making it, and I'm going to continue making more. Right. I'm gonna, and it's not like more money, but I'm going to continue to make, have more knowledge. I'm going to continue to have better, better clients. I'm going to continue to have, and how do I do that? And how do I seek that out? I think that like always keeping ourselves down isn't, isn't helpful for ourselves or for those around us. I think like people want to see that confidence. They want to see, um, a coach who, who is confident, but also knows that they're not the best, you know, like you can have both. I think that there is a duality there that can exist. Yeah. How, it comes down to a balance, you know, like how, how much is too much, uh, self-confidence before it seems, before it sounds like 
before it looks like someone being, you know, grandiose or egotistical. And then how much humility is too much before it becomes, you know, this person doesn't know what they're talking about or they can't connect to a personal level because they're so focused on how they look and they're so focused on, you know, um, not saying the wrong words or saying uh, or telling telling a client what they actually need. Because, I mean, that's one of the things that they've taught me here, man. Like we are performance specialists and to these parents were kind of like doctors as far as you know exercise and programming goes like they're coming to us for a prescription and we're kind of writing it out and then giving it to them uh whether they take that medicine or not it really depends on how we 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 are perceived uh you know on a credible level uh, case in point you know you go to a doctor because you're sick they fill out the prescription 99% of the time. What are you going to go do? You're going to go fill out their prescription. You're going to take that medicine up until that last, up until uh, the instructions are telling you. Um, and that's because, you know, that, that biology or that, you know, uh, biomedical science has been a science that's been here for a while and it's tested and true. Um, but, you know, this exercise science model, it's a little bit newer. So people are kind of like skeptical. Like, are you really trying to, you know, give my daughter or son what they need? Or are you just trying to, you know, fill up your wallet type of thing? So finding that balance of how you value yourself and what you have to offer. Um, finding that balance between that and then, you know, realizing that there is someone that knows just as much as you and can offer the same thing. Um, and being grateful for those people who have come to you, is, it's a really hard uh, tightrope to walk, you know? I, I think it is a tightrope to walk knowing, and hopefully you have a community around you that's like that, that will check you sometimes. And I think that at the same time, I gave a presentation about the podcast a couple weeks ago and they were like, well, what's the difference between your podcast and somebody else's podcast? And I was like, like, I said, me was my answer. I was like, well, me, like, I, like it's the Ben Nevada's podcast at the time. I, I changed the name recently, but like, you, there's only one of me and the way I communicate is different from somebody else. So I don't really understand the question. And somebody else that had been on the podcast before steps up and she's like, um, it's because he's a little bit more aggressive with his questions and that way he communicates a little bit more forward. And I was like, sure. If that's what you want to call it. Sure. And it's like, how are you setting yourself separate from this from somebody else? And it's like, I don't, I'm not worried about, I said, I said, I'm not worried about second place. Right. I, when I was powerlifting, it was never worried about what everybody else is doing. I'm here to do my best every single day. I'm not worried about, well, what's that guy's form look like and why is he doing it that way? There's a time for that, but in competition day, I'm here to do my best. And it was seen very egotistical. And I can see that, but I think that at the same time, there's, what if it, that that feeling like, oh, wow, this guy's a little bit, you know, egotistical or like too confident if, if that just if it if it brings out an insecurity in somebody else doesn't mean that i should quiet my own values mm. yeah man that, and that, that, go ahead 
No, go for it. I was just going to say, like, that. that's really relatable to, you know, the competitions in chess that I did. Like, I'm not focused on what system uh, the game next to me is using and whether they're winning or not. I'm focused on the system that I'm, that I've, you know, built uh, a trust in. Uh, I've, I've played these lines and I, I know I have a better understanding of what can play out if I use my system. Cause that's, that's the system that I've used most. I'm not going to try something new come, come tournament time, you know, cause that's when you get into serious trouble. Uh, that's, that's when you, that's when you come across the unknown, you know, that you find yourself in different situations that you're not so familiar with and you try to kind of just wing it. And that can kind of that can kind of play to its own detriment. So kind of understand playing your own game, you know, it should be should be your own focus, not not worried about what new openings or, you know, what new positions or metas are, are on the field right now. Just mastering your own craft and mastering what you can bring to the table and expanding upon that. Um, that doesn't go to say. That doesn't mean like never ever practice any other system or any other model of thinking or communication. It just it just comes down to you know practicing it on your free time when wherever the stakes are a little bit lower, right? You're not gonna you're not gonna you know if you're if you're a power lifter and you're so used to low bar squatting, but you just heard from someone else, oh the high bar squat is where you could just add a little bit more percentage to your max. You're not gonna try that come competition day. You might, you know, practice and program for it leading up to the next competition or, or a competition two years from now, and that's perfectly fine. But you know, trying something new come, you know, execution time, it's it, it never it never really hashes out the way you want. I I I think that your 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 clarification at the very end there is, is the most important part. It's not that you're not open to it. It's just there's there's a time to learn, and going back to the drawing board is extremely important. But some it's time and place, right? And it's just competition day is not not the the time nor the place. Um, what what does it look like for you as a what does your day to day look like as a sports performance specialist? Like, like you show up. What does your day look like? Um, administratively, or like holistically, or just like the performance coaching stuff, or like just a, an everyday life of Caleb type of deal. I want an everyday life of Caleb. Oh my god. All right, well, every morning at the break of dawn, I climb the highest mountain over here in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> I strip naked and find a cold spring and do my cold plunge there. Uh, perfect, perfect. <laughs> nah, man. Um, I've, been, I've been really trying to um, focus on, like, my personal life, too, and, like, uh, not focusing on professional Caleb a whole lot you know I just moved here uh, Caleb himself wears a lot of hats you know he's a husband he's a son he's a brother he's a friend um, he's also a coach who, who you know has a job and has to you know put food on the table and you know invest for the future uh, but yeah as far as like a personal personal life 
personal day-to-day thing goes, uh, I, I wake up is wake up at around like 5 a.m. so I could go do jujitsu in the morning. Um, from there, uh, hold on, give me one second. So, yeah yeah um i i I try to main i try to stay on my own program um and you know you might you might feel this on a personal level if if you're coaching and you know your 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 place where you work is the same place where you try to relieve stress it can kind of be you know hectic and fuzzy um but you know definitely trying to stay on my own programming and you know stay as athletic and you know as possible for my athletes that way i could explain and show them those reps is a very very big uh thing to me so my own personal fitness and my own personal programming i i try to try to put it up here it doesn't always end that way um because at the end of the day i do have to service uh, other people rather than other than myself and i have to put a lot of people uh ahead of me at times so uh, service is a is a very big word for me. Day to day, you know, for at this time, you know, I'm I'm really trying to build uh, a portfolio and client base, so I'm 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 trying to be there as as often as I can. Um, you know, just trying to put myself out there and show what I have to offer, uh, whether that's working out during peak hours or taking any opportunity that I have to coach another coach's client and kind of show them what I have to offer. I think that's one of the beauties, one of the, one of the pros of where I'm working at right now. Um, very communal. Nobody's looking to steal clients, which sets everybody up to, you know, be able to go on vacation and get, and give, um, someone else these clients for the time being that way those clients or customers aren't losing out on their progress and then that i'm gonna pause you real quick i'm gonna go to the restroom i'm sorry i gotta go i've been trying to hold it i'll I'll be right back we're gonna start start right there yeah but yeah man i'm just i'm just really really uh trying to value my time you know uh i started reading a little bit more my wife got me on back on the track of reading after like you know 18 years of not enjoying reading i'm actually finding you know good knowledge in the books that i'm choosing um so i've been reading a lot more i've been trying uh, i've been reading a lot of robert green lately um uh just a lot of like human psychology human nature um i think the first book i read of his was one the 48 laws of power Another cliche book I read was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, that book actually led me to another book, which was really good, and it's called The Richest Man in Babylon. And that one was just all about how to properly invest and do your research and how to, you know, really manage your time and be open-minded to learn something new. A Random Walk Down Wall Street. It's another good one. I'll have to note that one. i write that yeah. Um, yeah, man, those uh, those Robert Green books are pretty are pretty thick. Um, 
So that's the one that I've been. Uh, the Human Laws of Nature is the second Robert Greene book that I'm reading. Um, uh, I'm about three quarters way done with that. After that, I'll probably be reading um, Marcus Aurelius's Meditations, just so I could be, mm. you know, just so I could ground myself philosophically and, you know, just become a better, just become a stoic, if you will. Be a true sage. I call them sages. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love. I, I read. I read quite a bit of of stoicism, but so, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah man. Um, other than that, you know, I've just really been trying to jump, jump at every opportunity Elite Speed has been giving me. Um, I'm the new kid on the block, so I really have to kind of like, you know, not prove myself, but just like earn their trust and show them that I, you know, I'm I'm in it for the long haul. You know, I, I really want to build help. You know. Uh, help however I can to build this company up and, you know, just be another beam of support, you know, because I really, I've really bought into, you know, what they have to offer and what they do. Um, one of the biggest, one of the biggest things in their mission statements, you know, is mentorship, you know, uh, which brings me back to Marcus Aurelius, you know, he became like one of the best fighters, but one of the best gladiators or fighters in the world, but even he says that he couldn't do it himself. You know, he had a mentor who, you know, he went to and asked questions. Um, and he was just never, as far as I know, from what I've heard, he was never, you know, too uh, self-endowed or he was never too grandiose. He was always humble and, you know, he was always looking to learn something new from someone. For sure. What? We're gonna we're gonna sign off unfortunately here in just a couple minutes. Um, what? I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. What are some golden nuggets that you've been able to to grab onto and use both professionally and or um, personally in your life, both in the three different, I, I, I mean, I would consider stages of your life in, you know, growing up back down home and college station and, and now over in, in Colorado. Uh, one of the most recent ones that I've learned while I was here in Colorado um, came from my leadership manager. His name's Dustin Greenwood. He, he kind of has his own resume. You know, he was a bobsled champion i think he competed for the national team or at the olympic level um he was telling me you know as far as coaching wise and your athlete receiving cues like a cue is only as good as it lands on that person so you really have to find different ways to explain or you know uh, create different analogies that way that they that way that it clicks for that specific athlete because what you say for one athlete will not won't always you know translate or be perceived the same way another athlete uh, perceives it. So just being this rolodex of different cues for that same uh, goal or purpose is one of the best ways to you know properly get the get the client moving properly. Um, from my young ages, you know, back at home, uh, a lot of the things that I learned came from chess, you know. Um, 
I think one of the one of the first things that I learned uh, from my first coach, Monico Rodriguez, was that you have to lose a hundred times to even have a chance of winning that first time, right? So you're not you're not going to win every time. Uh, there will be learning opportunities in the forms of losses. Uh, there will be learning opportunities in the forms of those wins too, you know, because there's the idea of a perfect victory is very, very, very rare. Even in your victories, you, you've made mistakes. So learning from your victories and then learning from your losses are, is something that I've, that I've carried with me uh, throughout my whole life. And something I really try to hone in on um, in that human law, in that human Laws of Human Nature book, you know, I'm, I'm learning that men have this tendency to, you know, beat their chest whenever they win and are victorious. And they tend to, you know, shift the blame onto something else or find different avenues to shift the blame whenever they fail or come short. Um, inversely, women, they they look to, you know, thank other people and uh in, in the in the times of, of victory and then they they reflect on themselves whenever they face defeat so i really i really think you know just being gra uh, grateful for the opportunities that you've given that you've been given are important uh, just as important as you know thanking those who have been a part of your success story um, and then also reflecting on what what could have done what could have been better internally in the face of those defeats that's a big one i like, I like that one a lot that's 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 probably one of the most important ones to to remember i i always i always just i always say nobody does it alone i would not be here today if if i try to do it alone no it, it definitely takes a village man and you know i really I don't think I would have been able to land this, you know, profession uh, if it weren't the people back at home, um, whether that's my hometown or back in College Station. You know, a, a lot of people, you know, got me to the point to where I am today, you know. Um, yeah, man. Uh, all the people that I've shadowed, like, you know, Brian Watts, he was a physical therapist over there. Um, the people that I've, I've worked for, in a, in a short time, like Bubba Bush, you know, I, I, I was only working for BBMMA for two months, but I soaked up a lot of things from there, you know. There are a lot of uh, stoics out of that, you know, program that, you know, really taught me about philosophy and how to manage my time and how to network. Um, yeah, man. I love it, man. Well, if you could talk to your your younger self and give him give him a, a bit of knowledge or talk to be able to talk to your younger self what would you tell him uh i would definitely tell younger caleb not to not to focus on the external factors because you can't control those at all um rather focus on the internal side of things and how you perceive um different situations um I would definitely tell him to stop playing video games, uh, pick up a book because, you know, the times when you're 
when you're at your youngest are the most valuable because the knowledge that you receive then will help you exponentially down the road, you know, and I, I wasted a lot of time, you know, just sitting at home, not doing anything. I could have been, you know, shadowing someone else or, you know, hopping on a podcast and asking all these different questions and stuff like that. So definitely value your time, know how to manage it. And then um, always, always, always reassess what you're doing, you know, because if you just continue down this road without looking back to see, to one, see how far you've come and to see what you've just stepped through and how you could step through it in a better way. If you don't do that, you're just going to be blindly walking down this path without any purpose. Thank you for listening to the Ben Nevados podcast. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and all other major podcast hosting platforms. Be sure to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. 